Welcome to the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by myself, Danny Perez. On today's episode, we have Lauren Williams. Lauren is a professional hockey player in Sweden for Year Gardens in the SDHL and is also a mindset coach. She is from Windsor, Ontario, Canada and played her college hockey at the University of Wisconsin. She studied psychology and sociology and received her master's in counseling with a focus in clinical mental health. But before we get to today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. All right, we got Lauren Williams on today uh, from Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and you're a former Division I college hockey player at the University of Wisconsin, a current professional hockey player, um, just signed in Sweden, so congratulations to you. And yeah, thank you for coming on. Really excited to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, no, thank you. And sorry it took so long to get the schedules aligned, but happy to be here. Yeah, no, all good and happy to get it going. So if you can just introduce yourself further and kind of tell all the listeners about kind of your hockey career and um, what you're getting into now and just uh, you know, your journey throughout the game. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I'm from Windsor, Ontario. I have an older brother who uh, played hockey up until, you know, he could and he played juniors and whatnot. Um, so I kind of grew up in his, in his footsteps and went really quickly from being the sister that was getting carted to the rink to watch to wearing his hand-me-downs and, and really falling in love with the game. Um, and I figured out pretty young that I was pretty good at it and was told by a coach of mine, hey, if you really want to do something with hockey, you're probably going to have to leave Windsor just because there wasn't enough scouting opportunities um, and not enough visibility at the time. Um, and while that was a great thing for my confidence to have someone tell me that, that I could do it, it also put me down this path of turning away from the fact that I loved the game and I played it because I loved figuring out new things and getting better to like constantly looking for this external praise, constantly looking for other people to tell me, Hey, you're doing great. Um, this was awesome. Like you look really good out there. And when I wasn't getting that. I was like a, like a, I don't even know how to say it, a shell of myself, both as a person and as a hockey player. I went from, you know, being a super consistent player to being one that my coaches didn't know who was going to show up on the ice and um, compound that with, you know, moving away from home and having a parent get critically ill. I went from loving the game to absolutely hating it. And I hit a point where I thought about quitting in high school. Um, I got a letter from Hockey Canada inviting me to go try out for the U18s. And I called my parents and said, like, I don't want to go. This is, I hate this sport. I'm burnt out. 
And they kind of said, you know what? You've worked so hard. Are you sure you want to quit? And deep down, I said no, but I knew I needed help, right? So that's how I got in contact with a mental performance coach who is now my boss at Elite High Performance. So that kind of came full circle. And, and getting my mental game together really is what allowed me to, you know, go to those tryouts and play well, to get a Division One scholarship, um, and ultimately help me fall back in love with the game. So I played my four years at the University of Wisconsin, had some ups and downs there, but ultimately like a really great career and something that I look back on really fondly, um, and played one year in the CWHL before it folded. Um, was a member of the PWHPA for three years and yeah now I'm going over to Sweden and while I've been doing all of that I finished my master's degree in counseling uh, focused in athletic counseling and clinical mental health and now I work as a high performance coach with athletes and corporate leaders. That's awesome um, would you say that your previous experiences directly influenced your decision because uh, I, I understand that you studied psychology as well in college as for your undergrad so um, was going through that experience personally as a player and as a person kind of what got you interested in understanding more about how your brain works and how the performance side of the game works with, you know, your brain and, and your body? Is that kind of what segued you into this field? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I specifically remember a situation in college where I was sitting in my locker room, absolutely beating myself up for some mistake that I'd made in practice that I convinced myself was going to take me out of the line. Yeah. Um, and I was looking around thinking there's no way that I'm the only person who feels this way. There's no way that I'm the only one in this locker room of, you know, 25, 26 girls beating myself up and wondering if I'm going to get a spot on the ice on the mm -hmm. weekend. And um, also, like, there's no way that I was the only athlete who was feeling or starting to feel like maybe I shouldn't be there. Maybe I didn't belong there. Um, so yeah, no, I, I went back to my roots with my performance coach and kind of got going again with her. And the more that it started to make sense for me, the more I was able to see how it was playing out with some of my teammates mm -hmm. and the more comfortable I felt having those conversations. And then I found out that I really loved having those conversations. I loved talking to people about not just what they were struggling with, but what was working well for them. Um, and having that aspect of seeing if I could help. Yeah, you bring up a couple like points that I want to talk about. Um, one was that you become a shell of yourself when you start to worry about like the external validation of coaches or just like always playing for that, you know, gold star of like performance. And you lose, you know, actually playing for the love of the game and like trying to figure things out on your own and just having fun with it. And I feel like you know, from the coaching side now, I see that I think the best way to develop players is just by them kind of figuring out problems on their own and like playing for fun. I think it's a lot of structure right now, but that's a whole other rabbit hole. I mean, as far as like the development side, but you bring that up and I know there's plenty of players that can resonate with that same message. And then the second thing you mentioned was how you noticed that the feelings that you were having, it kind of dawned on you that there's no way you're the only one. And I think that a lot of athletes do think that they are the only one going through whatever it is that they're going through in their head and whatever feeling that is, whether they're just anxious or having performance anxiety or just not comfortable in a situation. I feel like we always feel like we're the only ones dealing with that, but a lot of people hide that very well. And one thing that I've noticed with doing this is 
how many people come out and reach out to you and want to come on and talk or just express that they felt those same things. So I think those are two very important points you bring up that I want to reiterate. And we do on this podcast a lot that you're not the only one going through these feelings. Um, and it's important to just always remain playing the game for the love of it and not playing it for that outcome or that praise that you get. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's an interesting piece in here that I say to a lot of the people that I work with is that, you know, we are very self-centered beings, right? We worry about ourselves a lot. We worry about the way that others perceive us a lot. So in that sense, we are the center of our own universe, right? We, we worry about how we impact others. We worry about how others impact us. We worry about the way that people look at our behaviors and how they evaluate us. So just the way that, you know, that one mistake that you made feels like the biggest problem in the world to you and you think that everybody is, you know, staring at you, noticing it, everybody else is also the center of their own universe. Exactly. They're worried about their own stuff. But, but that doesn't occur to us when we, you know, get in the ring in our heads and start beating up on ourselves with all those little things that seem like the biggest problems in the world. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. And that's a hard thing to learn um, is understanding that not everyone's staring at you and that like, it's just being able to quickly turn the page on that and refocus. And I'm sure those are a lot of things that you work with your athletes on. And I think it's a big thing with mental performance is being able to flip that switch and not um, dwell on the mistakes that you make. Cause I know that a lot of us can get so caught up in the negative that we forget to worry about, Hey, what are the you know good things we did today? And um, I kind of want, if you can just talk about your personal experience with your time at Wisconsin, with the post that you made on Instagram, I wanted to bring that up too, because I think that that's super important. Um, and it's a re- message that I can resonate with. And you talked about how you got there and you worked your whole life for it. And, you know, you were so nervous about feeling as if you belonged. And I think a lot of athletes, we never feel as though, you know, all, you know, we have people who are very confident in themselves and a lot of people who just consistently beat themselves up. And I think for those that, um, do beat themselves up a lot and can't appreciate the moment. I want you to kind of talk about that experience and what you were feeling going through that and what you've learned now on, you know, on this side of things and looking back and reflecting. Cause I think that message for those listening can help people who are going through that right now. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing is, is it all kind of goes back to this needing external validation that I had needing my coaches to tell me that I was doing well Um, and ultimately being a perfectionist. I expected myself to be perfect from day one. And I was making this huge jump. Now, granted, I didn't really understand how big of a jump it was because I didn't watch women's college hockey when I was in high school. I didn't get exposed to it because I was in Canada and women's college hockey isn't shown anywhere. Like you can't just turn on the TV and it's on TSN or whatever. So I never really got to watch it. And when I got there, I quickly realized that it was a, like a way bigger adjustment than I ever thought it was going to be. But I still thought I needed to be perfect. And I thought that I needed to have all the answers and make all the right plays right off the bat. So when I wasn't doing that and I wasn't getting the praise that I expected from my coaches, I immediately went down this rabbit hole of I shouldn't be here. Like I got in by a fluke, somebody pulled out, so I got to go. Um, You know, there's no way that any of my teammates think I should be here. People want me to go home. 
people want me to not be on the ice because I keep making mistakes. Total drill buster, whatever you wanted to call it, I was calling myself. And it took away any and all happiness I had. But what it did more of was it made me afraid to play hockey. And the interesting thing about the brain is when you go into basically survival mode because you're afraid, it shuts off your ability to access all of the resources that you have. Resources in hockey are all the hours of practice that you've put in, all of the mental, um, the muscle memory that you have, all of the mental things that you've learned. And when you don't have access to that stuff, that's when you make those mistakes that you say like, oh my God, I would never make that mistake. What's going on? Why am I doing this, right? So I was emotionally terrified of making mistakes and then my brain kind of stepped in and said like, okay, well, guess what? We're going to shut you off from any and all creativity you have. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're terrified of making mistakes, so you're going to make mistakes. And sitting in a locker room with girls who are vying for Olympic spots consistently made me feel so alone and so small. Um, but the reality of it is, is that I walked myself into that position. But it doesn't make, I think the one thing I want to add on to this is like, it doesn't make those feelings any less real. It doesn't make that experience of being afraid to make mistakes and then continually making them any less important. It's just the way that your brain works. And unfortunately, it doesn't always work for you. And that's why now as a performance coach, I work with people on like, okay, let's move your brain out of the way. Get it to stop working against you and start building up skills that actually allow it to work for you. Yeah, I want to get into that. Um, but quickly, I want to just talk about kind of just your accolades and how this does affect people. And we're always trying to compare ourselves. And you bring up the Olympian example, but yourself, you were a two-time Team Ontario member and a three-time WCHA All-Academic member. Um, and you captained in your senior season, two-time All-Time Big Ten, uh, two-time all big 10 student athletes. So it's like you have such good accolades and you're such an elite player and still are an elite player and playing professionally, but we always feel that we're less than or always comparing ourselves. And I think that that's kind of a funny thing because that never ends. And you always think it does, you know, you say, Oh, when I go play at this level of junior hockey, you know, for me, it was like, when I play at this level of junior hockey, then I'll, I'll have that confidence and I'll be, but there's always going to be someone better than you in your eyes. And okay. When I go to college hockey, then, then that's when it stops. And it's like, Oh, and it gets pro hockey, but it just, it never goes away. And it's always going to be that comparison of yourself to other people. And so detrimental. And I want to bring that up because it's just being the player that you are. Um, it, it still, it, it affected you. And now segueing into what you were mentioning before, I want to kind of talk about some of the things that you currently do with, with the athletes that you work with that um, like the tools and tactics that you kind of try to implement with them, or even some things that you've learned that you now implement into your own life and into your own game preparation or into your own mental performance coaching for yourself that you can share with the listeners um, just so they can kind of get an idea of what you do. Maybe they can implement them into their kind of routines, whatever that may be. Yeah. The comparison thing is huge, right? We're, we are so eager to socially compare because that's how we've learned as, as like kids and growing up is okay. Well, what are other people doing is what I'm doing right now? Socially appropriate. 
So when it comes to like, well, you've learned everything, like you're a functioning human being, and now you're a high performing human being who's playing a sport, we still have that tendency to look to others to say like, am I doing this right? Am I performing to the level that I should be? Am I doing everything that I could be doing? But what this misses out on is the individual experience. And one of the tools that I use for people when it comes to comparison, like comparing yourself to somebody else is like just super simple. Get into the why are you doing that? Right. So what is their performance going to tell you about your own performance? And the whole point in doing this is to kind of get them to understand that it, it actually doesn't make sense because you play a different game than somebody else. And somebody else plays a different game from another one of your teammates, right? So like the more that you can break the reliance on comparing by making it seem like not the right thing to do, that really helps people understand like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But then the other part of it is, is understanding the belief system that fuels that behavior, which ultimately normally comes down to I'm not good enough. And as we're growing up and learning how to like make our way through the world and what's good versus what's bad, what behaviors are awarded and, and praised versus what behaviors we get punished for, we learn to think of ourselves as, are we good enough? Are we worthy of you know praise? Are we worthy of love? Are we worthy of friendships? Are we worthy of achievement? And for a lot of athletes, especially those who end up being perfectionists, there's this belief system that says that you're not good enough. So a lot of the work that I do is, is helping people find that belief system. Where do you remember the first time feeling like you weren't good enough? Like the first time maybe that you thought, wow, that person is way better than me. And that makes me feel bad about who I am. And then it's all about reframing that belief system. Because when you're, you know, six or five years old, the majority of these belief systems are formed before you're seven. That is your entire experience. You get beat and your seven-year-old brain says, wow, they are better than you and that makes you not good. <laughs> because that's the only information that you have to work with. But, you know, hopefully as a, you know, 18, 20, even 15 year old athlete, you can look at that and say, well, no, them being really good at something didn't mean that I was a bad person or that I wasn't capable of doing that. It just meant that I needed to work on a very specific thing. So learning how to say like, okay, this belief system isn't true. It fueled you to a certain point to want to be better. Yeah. But now it's actually hindering you. So we need to reframe it to, I am good enough, which means that I am capable of learning that skill, which means that I am capable of doing whatever I set my mind to is, is what I end up doing with a lot of athletes. Yeah. That's what I had to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's why I think it's awesome that you have that firsthand experience. And that's why that resonate will mess that message will resonate with the athletes that you work with that much more because you've experienced it and you're saying, Hey, like, trust me, I've been through this. I've done the exact same things that you do. Listen to me. This is what works and try it. Um, I think that that's super important that you have that firsthand experience. And I think the reframing piece is like so important too, because I think a lot of us feel as though 
we're just a lost cause. This is who I am. This is how my brain operates. But that is so yeah. false. Like you can actually rewire and reframe your brain to, to think things in the way that you want it to think and not dwell on, you know, the things that you've been dwelling on and the same thought patterns that you've had your entire life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think another one of the, the key points that I talk with athletes when it comes to the, cons- the comparison and, and being in those same thought patterns is how often do you actually objectively look at your performance? Do you have any way of quantifying how well you did? Do you actually look at your practices and, and measure your performance and have them say, well, no. And I'm like, well, then it makes sense that you have to look at how somebody else is doing because you don't have enough data and intelligence on how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So then it's, it's not only reframing those belief systems, but it's also placing value on focusing on yourself because how often have we heard like, Oh, if you're focusing on yourself, you're not helping your team. It's always the team before the individual. It's always, mm-hmm. you know, what you do for the team before what you do for yourself. My argument is, well, if, if I'm not showing up at 100% because I'm not paying attention to myself and I'm not focused on my own play, then I'm bringing, you know, subpar, not my full potential self to the team, which that hurts the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very awkward fine line of figuring out the right spots to be that team player. And um, I think as hockey players, we're very selfless. And it's always we in the interviews, it's like kind of like the running joke and everyone talks about it, but at the end of the day, you do have to take care of yourself and, and understanding what you need to be doing to get better and how you're kind of, I guess, analyzing yourself in a constructive way and not just analyzing yourself through other people. I think a lot of athletes are guilty of that. Like you mentioned, happy you did. And it's just like, no, you have to do actual like, research on yourself and, and figure out what's going on and why you're not performing. And because looking at somebody else, that's not you. It makes no sense. And I like that exercise mm-hmm. that you brought up of asking them why and kind of helping them work through it on, on their own, that it absolutely makes no sense to compare yourself to somebody else. Cause that's completely not you. And um, right. I'm sure that really kind of hits a light bulb with them and makes them understand like, okay, this makes sense that it doesn't make sense. And I shouldn't be doing that. Right. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. Sorry. You're gonna say something. No, I just like it, but we're not taught to do that stuff. Right? Like I even remember being told as a hockey player when I asked, and I'm talking like I was maybe 10 years old, what I needed to be doing better. Mm-hmm. And somebody actually directly compared me to another one of my teammates. So like we're taught to do that. But the reality is, is, Teams need different players. Teams need players who excel at different things. And if you don't even know specifically what it is that you excel at and what you bring to the table and also, you know, maybe what you struggle with a little bit, your ability to grow is seriously stunted because you can't reach the full potential of something that you don't even recognize is capable of getting there, right? Exactly. no, it's just, definitely. It's, it's a weird reality, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. Um, one thing I want to ask you is from like a confidence standpoint. Um, I think that's a big thing that everybody struggles with as just people. Um, and I think a lot of athletes really do too. And I think it all does go hand in hand. Um, what are some things that you would tell an athlete who is struggling with their confidence 
in their play or um, is there any like specific things that you tell them to do on their own or I guess just, I don't know, different, whatever it is that they, that might help them. What, what were some things that you would tell that athlete? Well, I think before getting into telling them anything, I would ask like what they're focused on. So when you don't feel confident, what are you thinking about? Right. And often what it comes down to is like, well, I want to look good for so-and-so, or I want to um, not make a mistake. I want to feel good. I want to get X amount of points. Um, I want to make whatever team. Um, like any, any one of those things is what normally comes up. And all of those things are things that we actually don't have any control over. So the thing with the human brain is when it feels like it doesn't have control over something, it goes back into that fight or flight mode, right? And when you're in fight or flight mode and you start panicking, of course you don't feel confident because your brain is literally telling you that you do not have the resources to do well in this because it's a 50-50 shot and you've got no control over that. So the first part of it is, okay, well, what, what is it in the moment that you actually control? What can you influence and what can you impact in that moment? And it's like, well, I can make sure that I focus on having a good warm up so that my body feels ready. I can make sure that I focus in on the present moment and I don't worry about whoever's watching or what the stakes are or the outcome of the game. I can focus on you know, making sure that I uh, execute on the things that I know that I'm good at. These are my strengths as a hockey player, and I will execute on those things. And the more that you bring an athlete back to those elements of their game that they can control, the more confident they start to feel because the brain is giving those signals that say, yeah, you can do this. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, we've seen you do this before. Here's the muscle memory for that skill. And beyond that, it, it just, it's really an education game of like, when's the last time you remember feeling confident? What were you thinking about? What were you doing? Were you laughing? Were you talking with your teammates? How did you feel on the ice or field or whatever? It's, it's the same with people in boardrooms. It's like, well, when's the last time that you remember feeling really confident talking to your colleagues? What were you talking about? What were you focused on? Was it a passion of yours? And helping them key into those controllable aspects that spark confidence is where I usually go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's like that old saying, control what you can control. And I remember hearing that and be like, okay, well, what is that? Like, what do you mean control? It's so vague. And it's like, yeah. essentially what it is, is just focusing on the process and not so much the outcome or focusing on the yeah. outcome at all. It's just completely irrelevant. Like you said, it's, mm -hmm it's not in our control. And, but what you can control is what steps you can take um, the physical things you can do within that moment to give yourself the best chance and, and to develop that muscle memory, like you said. And I think that's just kind of like taking away that whole vagueness is just for those listening, it's simply focusing on the process and whatever it is you need to do in that present moment to help develop mm -hmm. you as a player or person. Um, Cause I, I'm yeah. sure you remember hearing that like, Oh, control what you can control. It's like the most, 
cliche thing when you're like I'm I'm having a bag control you can control it's like no like what does that mean like help me out it's like, <laughs> yeah well my brain always went to like what do you mean there's so much that's not in my control I can't yeah. control my teammates I can't control the ref I can't control the other team exactly so sick tell yeah. me what I can control because it seems like I can't control anything right now no exactly I had the exact same feelings and um mm -hmm. I just know that so many athletes feel the same way but I think you bringing that up and just kind of reiterating that message and something that we've talked about a million times on here too, is just focusing on the process and focusing on the moment. And that's literally it. I mean, mm -hmm. the rest unfortunately takes care of itself, but that's why it's like so important. Just give your effort, your best foot forward and your best ability in whatever it is that you're doing. And um, just having that blind faith that it will work out. Mm -hmm. and the other important thing too, is I think confidence and, and motivation, those two things, get taken as like these feelings that you don't really have control over right like maybe one day you wake up feeling motivated or one day you wake up feeling confident but the reality is is both of those things are emotions just like happiness and sadness mm -hmm. so when you learn how to access them when you learn how to trigger those emotions it's just the same as like oh well you know maybe when you're sad you go and call a friend because you know that makes you happier so you can do the same thing with confidence. It's not this um, like enigma of an emotion where we don't have any control over accessing it. There are plenty of things that you can do to help yourself feel motivated. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself why you started. And then tell me if you feel a little bit more motivated to go work out at 7 a.m., right? Yeah. And, um, but so many people just don't understand that they're, they're just emotions. Mm-hmm. And there is a way to influence them, but you have to first understand like what makes you feel those things in the first place. Yeah, no, definitely. Like they're just literally these things that aren't real and just, we let them kind of get a hold of us and completely dictate in some ways our life trajectory. It's pretty wild how much control these things that don't exist can have, have control over our lives. Um, do you ever try anything like meditation or journaling or things of that nature to help with you or, or suggest them to your athletes. I, there's some things that I've tried and I definitely do like them. I do notice they help. I was wondering if that was something that you have implemented into your day to day or into your lifestyle at all that you find has helped you. Mm -hmm. So for me, and, and I always tell people like when I give tools, I tell them to try it. And if it doesn't feel good or it doesn't work, that's totally okay. We'll find something new. Um, for me personally, I kind of use like a combination of things and it depends on what's going on in my life. So I don't journal every day, but on days where I feel like my thoughts are racing and I need to get it down somewhere, then I journal. And on those days I notice that I go, like I gravitate towards meditating as well, but it's not something that I do every day. Mm -hmm. I listen to my body intuitively and my mind. And if it says to me like, yeah, you need to take a break right now meditation is great for that but I'm somebody who really struggles with structure so a great example of this is like national team camps I hated every single minute of it because like every minute of your day is planned you have 30 minutes to nap then you have to be at meal then you have to be at fitness testing then you have you know 10 minutes to go to the bathroom if you need to like, yeah. it's just so much so knowing that about myself, I don't box myself into a schedule like that. 
Like I don't say, well, I'm going to journal for five minutes at night. If I feel the need to do it, then I do it. But for a lot of the athletes that I work with, it has to be more structured in the beginning because you've got to get a habit of doing it. You have to build up the um, kind of like the memory in your brain of, hey, when you do this, it helps you feel better to create that internal motivation to do it when you feel that way in the future. So yeah, love meditating. I actually just got some, there's this really cool device. It's called a focus calm Hmm. and it has a headband. Okay. And it, it measures the, the brain waves that are emitted from your head. Like it goes across your forehead and it measures like beta waves, um, And a lot of the other ones that have been scientifically proven to show that you're in flow state and you wear it while you're doing the meditations that they have. And it gives you data on on how much the brain waves that were being emitted from your brain align Hmm. with being in a, like a flow state. So I found that to be like really helpful because it takes something like meditation, which is hard to quantify for a lot of people and gives you the data and tells you like, Hey, you were actually able to be in the present moment for this three minute meditation. Congrats. Um, so I really like that, uh, journaling, especially in this past couple months in my life has been super helpful because I've noticed that I'm like zoning out, getting lost in the thoughts in my head. So I pick up a book and I write it down. Um, but the biggest piece that I can give for people is you have to play around with it because meditation doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine if, if I, you know, had ADD or ADHD or trying to tell a client that has ADD or ADHD trying to meditate. If that's not going to work for you, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But give it a try. Journaling is also great. Give it a try. If it works, awesome. If not, let's find something else. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I think, um, you really bring up that point of trying what works for you. And if it does great, keep it going. And if not, then Hey, move on and try something else. Cause there's so many other things you can do, but I think yeah. it's important that you say that because going back to the comparison thing, it's like, what works for you isn't going to work for me. What works for me isn't going to work for you. And people listening, what works for you might work like a charm. And this might be like their saving grace, but for others, they might try it and they might need meditation every day, or they might need a journal every day, or some might, need to meditate every day but not journal at all so it's just a matter of Mm -hmm. figuring out and playing around with it um i think that's the most important thing because it doesn't happen overnight but it does happen when you start working on it piece by piece and figuring out okay this is how i feel with this and i should start doing this more but uh, this didn't make me feel that great so i should probably remove that or try something else and i think it's just all trial and error i think that's an important thing to reiterate and i'm happy that you know you were mentioning that and um just kind of talking about hey Try what works for you and see, play around with it and see what it works, you know, see what works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other important piece there is like paying attention to how you feel about it. If it makes you feel good, then maybe there's something there that you need to explore further. If it doesn't make you feel good, ask yourself why. So if the meditation actually made you feel more frustrated, why? Is it because you didn't like put yourself in a quiet spot? Is it because it really wasn't the best time of the day for you? Like what was going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but asking yourself those questions, okay, how did this make me feel? Because even though emotions are those like things that have, um, they just kind of come and go. They don't really feel real because they're 
like they just come as they want to and they go yeah. and they do have such an impact on our lives and the way that we feel about things is so important because emotions are a form of intelligence that tell us about the situation that we're in and how we're interacting with it. But we are told constantly, especially as athletes, to push your emotions aside. Like I was told countless times, well, I'm too emotional when I play. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you look at emotions as a form of intelligence and as a form of data that you can use to tell you about how you are interacting with your environment, then nobody would ever tell you that, you know, oh yeah, you need to stop feeling your emotions. You need to push them down and push them aside. They would say, okay, well, what is it actually telling you? Let's figure out what that emotion means and let's move forward. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with trying these tools. If you feel frustrated, okay, why is that? Where is that coming from? Do you need to try something different? Or do you need to stick with it a little bit longer? Yeah. Because for like half of half the people, it's, yeah, you're going to feel frustrated writing down in a journal the first time mm-hmm. in your 20-year life. <laughs> like, yeah. Makes sense. But no, yeah. if it's just because it's not something you're used to, that doesn't mean that it's not a good tool. Exactly. No, I love that. And I think that's, um, that's spot on. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just have one last question for you. Um, there's one thing you could tell your younger self or maybe an athlete going through the exact same thing that you've gone through or, or did go through in a certain period of time in your life, what would be that one thing? Or it could be a couple things, whatever that is, but something that you would have liked to know. Um, like a younger, like a piece of advice for your younger self. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, I was told this like time and time again by my parents, but of course you, know, you don't believe your parents when you hear it. Never. Um, I would, I would have told myself to just have fun. Like, and I tell this to all of my clients now that play a sport is it is just a game and like game inherently has that you should be enjoying it, right? You play for fun because you love it. Mm-hmm. And the other part of this now is that like when you're having fun, when those areas of your brain are activated, when you truly love something and you're passionate about it, it helps you perform better so that the rest of the game actually does, you know, was told this my whole life will take care of itself. So I would have told myself to have fun and I would have told myself that other piece of like, not everybody is staring at you all the time. Nobody is judging you. Nobody is like looking to critique you throughout every single game or practice because they're all worried about themselves. Mm-hmm. So you should just go and have fun and enjoy yourself because it's a game and because you love the sport and because you play your best when you're having fun. That's awesome. No, those, uh, those are great things. And I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, Lauren, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and being vulnerable and being open about this stuff and sharing the information that you have with us today. So I really appreciate it and best of luck, um, throughout 2022 with the rest of your season coming up. So, Congratulations again and best of luck. And um, this was awesome. I can't wait to put this out there for everyone to listen to. Awesome. No, thank you again for having me and for taking time out of your Christmas break. Really appreciate it.